Hi, my name is Steven. Hi, I'm April. This is the Three Pi Squared ABA Business Leaders Podcast, where we discuss topics on how to create and grow an ethical and sustainable ABA practice. Together, Stephen and I owned a seven-figure ABA practice that provided both clinic and in-home services. 3Pi Squared has helped over 900 ABA practices start up and expand with our comprehensive products and services geared specifically to ABA. Now, let's get to the podcast. About how to support RVTs today going beyond the treatment plan. So with us, we have our panel. And so um, this is our first time being live with a panel. Yes. Um, so excited about that. So um, yeah, I will, why don't we start with Jennifer and then we'll, um, uh, let's see. Yeah, we'll just start with Jennifer, Mallory, Robin, and then Derek, you guys can uh, each introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Jennifer Helton. I own an ABA center down in here in Texas. Uh, we do in-home, um, center-based, and we work a lot with private schools and the schools in the area to um, help kids be able to be in a more inclusive environment. Hi, I'm Mallory. Um, I have a small practice in Washington, um, and yeah, very small team. I'm Robin Stone. And um, I am located in the Atlanta, Georgia area, and we do in-home services um, in the community, in the schools, and um, also at a center-based location. Uh, I'm Derek Tony. Uh, <clears throat> I also run a small uh, ABA practice up in Washington, like Mallory. Um, mine is a clinic, uh, but we're also very small um, and work on, you know, basic communication, social skills, those types of things. Great. Thank you guys for joining us today. Let's just jump in and get started. So I guess first, like, how do you guys support your techs um, so that they have the skills that they need to run a session um, and have that like flexibility and independence and creativity um, as they go? Just a couple of the things um, that I have done, um, things that I've had to kind of pull back on as well. Um, one of the things is, you know, Amazon is amazing, but you can really spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on Amazon. Um, and I do like to give my text if they find something on Amazon or online, um, you know, the freedom to text me and say like, Hey, you know, I think that, you know, Joe would really, really love this. Um, I think it would really be great to add even not just for that client, but to our, you know, collection for our entire agency. We have a storage unit that's full of all of the things that we use. Um, and so I, I do think that that definitely helps the techs feel like they can have the freedom to be a little bit more creative, to find things that they think are also, um, you know, like engaging and fun so that they can also engage and, you know, have fun with the client as well um, during the breaks. Because I, I have found that when they are doing some of those drill things, or even if they're not, it's like during their break, I've had to continually, you know, like encourage them like, hey, I know it's their break. And, um, you know, they just worked really hard. And I know you have some data you want to take, but, you know, quickly jot down the data because we still do paper and pen, jot down the data. And then you need to work on engaging with the client during that time. Um, you know, if the program takes only five minutes, 
I'm cool with you guys taking a break and, you know, spending 10 to 15 minutes so that you can continue to, you know, build the rapport and have a great time. Um, and then the other thing that I think is huge is that some of my lead RBTs that I've had in the past and some of them that I have right now, um, they have a lot of experience with kids in general and then have come into um, ABA, into the field. And so they model. We do a lot of overlaps and that makes a world of difference, especially for someone who's new, so that they can see like, hey, I can have the freedom. Because I think it, it is somewhat um, intimidating when I hand them this huge binder, right? And I'm like, hey, here are all the programs. Um, you know, you, you need to try to get, you know, you know, this amount done, usually when they're first starting, it's like, don't really worry about how many programs you're getting done. It's, you know, if you can take data on the behavior and you can build rapport, you know, we'll start adding in the programs um, as you, you know, kind of get things settled. Um, but I think it is intimidating for them, you know, to go in um, somewhat blindly and be like, oh, well, what do they like? Okay, do they like dinosaurs? Not every person that comes into the field is, you know, able to play. You know, it's it, sometimes we it's been a long time since we've sat down with a child and tried to, you know, play and interact and um, especially then trying to interact and connect with a child who may not really, you know, want to be in the same world as you right then. You know, they might want to be doing their own thing. And nope, Spider-Man doesn't. I don't like that. So I do think that the modeling, I think the modeling is so, so very important. Um, typically, when I have someone new coming on a case, um, even if it's a tech that has already been with me for quite some time, um, oftentimes it's about two, two weeks or so of modeling. Um, so that's, those are kind of the two things that I um, have focused on. But it still continues to be, you know, a challenge. So I'm excited to hear what the rest of you have to say, if you have some other ideas too. We do some similar things. Um, so we do shadowing and overlapping. <clears throat> we have like um, videos they can watch with samples of examples of how to run programs. Um, we'll have them shadow different clients, even clients that aren't necessarily their clients or won't be their clients, but let them watch <clears throat> and see other experienced RBTs um, that are that know what they're doing and that have um, a good rapport with their clients and then also show them some tougher clients that they may not you know, come across quite yet, but know that you know, things can be different and, you know, things can change at the, you know, the flip of a switch with some kiddos and um, just trying to provide them with some different tips and what to do in those situations and how to handle the behaviors and how to keep the kid engaged. Um, we like to do a lot of reinforcer assessments um, to try and help um, give them, you know, the opportunity to figure out what they like, what they want. Um, and sometimes if the kid has very limited repertoire of things that they like, we might do um, different reinforcer assessments on a daily basis or a per session basis just to see what they might like that day um, to give the tech ideas of things to use during their break periods. Um, you know, I think one time, you know, sometimes, yes, they'll take the data during the breaks, but also, you know, you might see a therapist that might accidentally just like check Twitter or check something they're not supposed to do, um, you know, if they're on a, if they happen to be on a personal device or something. Um, so just creating learning opportunities for them too, just to let them know that this is also still for the child's time and, you know, we're trying to keep them engaged and, um, you know, come up with creative ways to play and, you know, different ways to engage with some of the stuff they have there, um, create opportunities for they can try different, um, different toys, different things, because maybe something might click that you didn't know they would even like. Um, and we do the Amazon thing too, where 
like if a therapist or a PCBA thinks that um, a kiddo might benefit from something, they'll send it to the head BCBA and then the BCBA will submit it to the admin team to, to purchase um, if it's a good fit for what the kid might want. So we try and change it up a lot because, you know, their wants and needs change all, of, all the time. So I try to look at it when people first start. There is this tendency with like the systems that we use, you know, Mallory was talking about like paper and pencil data. Um, we use an electronic, you know, platform, <clears throat> one of the popular ones. Um, and so you open up a session in this or you have your binder and you see a list of targets, or programs, um, you know, goals that you're working on in that session. Uh, there is this tendency for people, whether it's BCBA, RBT, whatever, to, to look at those lists of targets or programs and say, that's my session. And that's not a session. That's a list of targets or programs, not a session. Uh, it's like looking at a curriculum book for a teacher and seeing a bunch of worksheets and saying, this is my class. That's not your class. That's an assignments that you're working on in your class. But your class is the energy, the way that you communicate, the, the, the activities that you guys do, the way you manage the whole time that those kids are in your classroom. That's your class, not the worksheets. Cal Medical Billing is comprised of experienced medical billers and coders who specialize in ABA billing. Founded by a team of professionals who have worked as staff billers for multiple agencies, CalMed strives to provide a level of service and communication that feels like your own in-house team, without the costs and worries that come with having employees. They offer billing and credentialing services with no term contracts and have served ABA clients across multiple states for nearly a decade. Call 213-277-7999 or visit their website at www.calmedbilling.org to set up a free consultation. And so there is this really strong pull for us just as all humans to, to look, to go into a place of work, see a list of things. And then what that does to us is say, step one, do this. Step two, do this. Step three, do this. And that that pulls away all of the things that we want to be happening in session, which is just good social interaction. That's it. You know, a really great session is one where there's a ton of great social, happy interaction. Along the way, those targets and goals need should be hit or encouraged, you know, but that is not the session. So for me, I am frequently sitting with my people and meeting with them and always reminding them targets are not your session. Your session is how you in, how you start the day and how you greet them and how you interact when, you know, you see they're getting a little bit bored. Um, so I think first, like, is making that distinction of, ABA is super target driven and goal driven, which is great, but we can really easily lose sight of the, that human connection in session when we're just sitting there looking at a list of targets and goals. So I, for me, I personally don't, I, it, it drives me nuts because one day I want to find a way of changing those systems so that it doesn't do this because it'll do it to me. If I walk into a session and I see a list of targets and I'm sitting here saying this to you, I'm going to start doing step one, I'm going to do this. Step two, I'm going to do this. It just has that effect on what we do. Uh, that ideally we could change those systems so that people could more readily see the purpose of this time is to connect. It's not to just hit trials and targets and goals. Those come with it, but that's not the sole purpose. And people will go through their, their targets and say it's like an hour-long session. They'll get through their targets in like 20 minutes. And they go, well, we're done for the day. 
like, what do you mean you're done? There, how? And they go, well, we already we already ran all the targets, so we're done. And that drives that 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 gets to me. Um, I mean, I'm nice about it, but I'm like, no, you know, like you're not done. Uh, but again, it's just how does that the way that ABA sessions and targets how we present them? What does it do to someone? And it says you're done at that point. So I'm going to get on Twitter, like Robin said. You know, I'm going to sit on my phone, do whatever, because I'm done. And so I think that as a field, it'd be great if we could all start looking at. How do we manage, you know, paper and pencil do the same thing. How do we set these tools that we need up in sessions that don't pull the, the person to just do these blocky, you know, structured step-by-step -step things that are really kind of awkward forms of interaction. Um, it's kind of bizarre. Like I've never had an hour long meeting with someone that looks like an ABA session when it's ran like that. It's not normal social interaction. Um, and so you always have to look at how helpful is it if we do it this way. Um, so anyway, that, those are some of my thoughts of like, how can we have better systems that increase the probability of someone conducting a session in a way that um, focuses on good social connection, not just those targets and a list of things to do. I think, you know, what everybody said, um, Mallory, we have a storage unit. It's ridiculous. And, you know, what we try to do is um, just notice that even when you have toys and you have stimuli, kids are going to get tired of it. Staff are going to lose um, creativity, you know. So kind of changing, since we have a storage unit, we, we take advantage of that sometimes. Or we'll go and we'll put some stuff away for a while. And then we'll, and we'll bring in and we'll introduce something that maybe, maybe it's a car ramp, but maybe we have three different car ramps, you know, and you... Even though it's still a car ramp, it looks different. And so that can kind of sometimes re-engage um, for things like that. I mean, with the amount of time in the field that I've been, I've had I have so many toys and things that, you know, have been donated and just, you know, through so it's really easy to to sit to um, change that those types of things out. I get bored myself. I'm I'll go around our center and just change a picture. And I know that seems trivial, but it kind of just gives things a different feel. Once in a while, even changing pillows on our couch. I mean, it just kind of helps those small little things kind of re-engage you because it's like, oh, now I'm, you know, re-interested. Um, I think something that's important is that you give, the, give your staff the permission to play and have fun. Um, and to Derek's point of we go in there and here's all these targets and it's like, boom, 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 I'm going to hit this target. But there's no permission to just have fun and play. And I think that is because we were, we're with kids. We should be playing. And, you know, and then to Mallory's point, not everybody knows how to play. Like, we've, we have forgotten as adults how to play and have fun because this is a job and it's a task-oriented position where you're sitting there trying to get through all of these tasks or tasks or these targets and so it's it stops being about learning and enjoying your time and being you know social with the child and oh this is a check this is a check one thing that we started doing and we've done this for a while is because it is such a struggle for some some of our staff who are really amazing techs but they don't remember how to play is we had started doing trainings every six months where all of my staff who have kids, we would bring our kids and assign the staff with our kids um, and let them play with the kids just to get an idea of what play looks like. Play is unstructured. Play is not rote. 
play is kids will go from one topic to another to another to another without you know three or four exchanges i mean play is messy and it should be but you can take those targets that you have and you can embed them in that play instead of it being the old style of sitting at a table and drilling a child that's not retention i mean that's just drilling but if you want the child to really understand and um, connect with what you're saying you do that in the environment where they're going to notice it see it implement it you know and it the other thing too with us is that one of our centers um, for our early intervention we have an outdoor area and so we encourage the kids it's fenced it's got little playhouses it's got all sorts of stuff for the staff to get up move go run because these are kids they should not be sitting at a table for an hour being drilled they should be getting up moving around running around brain breaks whatever you want to call them and i i mean our it's crazy the amount it looks chaotic but it's so great because the kids are you see the staff because we're pen and paper too mallory where this the staff takes their you know takes their target list but they're taking it with them and going out into the outside or going around and engaging so that it's not sitting there at the table just drilling because that's really what i mean i remember that's what it was and then it was like finally hopefully we were evolving to where we're actually having more appropriate social interaction for the kids too and the staff because if you're sitting there on a task list and i've done this you're bored you've disengaged and that's not what we want we want everybody to try to stay engaged so those are some of the things we've tried to do to help keep the staff engagement high um, not just looking at that as a task list and here's what you're going to do how do you do Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, how important do you guys feel that understanding developmental appropriateness and like for like what play activities would match certain targets for that particular child? That is incredibly important. And I think it's not just about your, um, so everything that we try when we do it, we look at things from a developmentally appropriate um, mindset down to the environment. What is your, what does the therapy rooms look like? You know, what are the toys look like? What are the books? You know, anything that they're engaging in are these developmentally appropriate materials for or an environment in general. And also educating your staff on developmental appropriateness and child development in general, because if you're going into ABA, you're not always you're not always looking at what's developmentally appropriate. We're looking at the VB map and the Vineland and the, you know, SAR. I mean, go through all our assessments. And while they are supposed to be on a developmental level, still some of our kids, you need to really take that developmental approach because a four-year-old may not be at a four-year-old level. So you may have to go down to a two-year-old level or an 18-month-old level, but continue to move to where they're moving towards more developmentally appropriate goals. That's, that's kind of our take on that. I think that um, it is super important to have that um, understanding. I do feel like I've been fortunate because I was a teacher before. I feel like the schooling that I received for that was more specific, right, to, to understanding the development of specific ages and, you know, specific timeframes um, in, in a child's life. Um, I think that it has been um, a little bit difficult with the insurance um, as BCBAs. I feel like um, when I had first started out, um, you know, just in the field in general, as a behavior interventionist, um, 
I was seeing a lot of programs that gave us a little bit more freedom. And, you know, some of those programs were like play and leisure. And um, now it's like you have to connect it more, you know, to something else that the insurance, you know, approves it, which is fine. You can still kind of do it. But um, I think that just kind of for example, you know, a lot of our kiddos don't they don't know that they like something because they've never been introduced to it. So jump rope was one of the things that one of my kiddos in Hawaii, um, she didn't know she liked it. And we started out just by twirling and then she saw all of her kids. We were at a YMCA. She saw all of her peers also enjoying it. And then she was, you know, twirling it for them. She even thought that was, you know, super great and smiling. She didn't know. Um, and even for about two weeks or so, even though I was like, Hey, you know, we're going to go jump rope today, you know, you're going to twirl. Eventually she did jump, but, um, she used to really just love her tablet. And it was like the best day when she asked to go jump rope. Like she asked to jump rope be like, and left the tablet. It was, it was so great. And then she, you know, she did start jumping and that was huge for me. That was a big turning point just in, you know, my own, um, my own practice, because I think that even if we're not putting that on paper into a treatment plan, those things are still important that we are helping them expand their repertoire of reinforcement and what they like to do. Right. So, um, and definitely giving the techs, you know, maybe a few activities just like, Hey, you know, the Amazon thing is great. Sometimes I will, you know, grab stuff from the dollar store, but bringing a jump rope or bringing, you know, certain things that I'm like, Hey, try this out. Well, do you want me to take data on it? Nope. I just want you to try, you know, like I want you to try it, um, try it out with them. Um, if it, if it works great, awesome. If it's something that they are like, you know, maybe struggling and we noticed some gross motor, you know, um, development isn't quite there, then, I mean, it's super great. I think those moments are really important. Um, I don't know if anybody else has had a chance to work in Hawaii, but I will say that um, I will give kudos to a lot of the technicians and BCBAs in Hawaii. Um, and I think part of it is just a cultural thing. They are way laid back in their lifestyle, right? It's just so different from the people in the mainland and I really relaxed when I started you know serving in Hawaii because it was like yeah okay I'm here for three hours but like you know it's just it's laid back it's it's more fun we can laugh and we can giggle and yeah it it, it was so kudos to any of the providers out in Hawaii but it definitely is different we on the mainland don't have the same that same um you know, mentality. At Element RCM, our vision is a childhood for every child. And our mission is to strengthen all who improve the lives of children. How do we do that? Through our billing and insurance expertise that we've gained with our founding team's 20 plus years of expertise in the ABA field. We have a singular value proposition to improve your cash collection rate and velocity. We understand you because we've lived it. It's hard to battle with insurance companies. At Element, we work with all size providers from single BCBA startups to multi-state large organizations. What's our advantage? We're a billing and insurance company built by ABA owners for ABA owners. Make more money, gain more time, worry less. We help you with your core ABA business so you can do what you love. Find us online at www.elementrcm.ai. 
I tried to focus on like how Mallory was talking about the jump rope and how you don't need data on that. Um, I really tried to uh, convey to my people that um, we only need data on a couple things. Like one thing that really, um, I just, I think I'm really grumpy today. I don't know why I'm like talking about things that just really annoy me, but um, I apologize. I'm not a negative person. Um, I don't like taking data for the sake of taking data. I don't like taking mountains of useless data. And I think that ABA, hopefully we're coming out of this, this era, but you know, years ago, it was just people were taking data on every single thing. And I'm like, what are we doing with these data that for what? Uh, so we only take data on those critical uh, skills that we are actually working on. But how do we get there has to be typically through other activities that you can't just sit and ask a question plainly and give a prompt and then get the response and then take your data. Um, so I always try to convey, like, use these other activities. You don't need data on it, but that's where it's going to get you the momentum and the engagement to actually uh, incorporate the skill in a meaningful way. You know, so we will frequently have, you know, schedules or routines built up in the in the sessions where we're just doing putty or we're doing slime or we're doing the slide or we're doing all these things. You don't need data on that. But when you do that, you find that they perform better during these types of trial-based activities. And so I always try to look at them and say, if, if things are getting stagnant in your progress with something, it's typically the activities that are preceding it or following it. Uh, because those are the antecedents, in the loose sense of it, uh, to those skills. And if you look at those drilling sessions where you'll start to see their, their performance was pretty good at the beginning, and then all of a sudden it starts to tank. It's not that they don't have the skill. It's not that they might not even be that they're not motivated necessarily. It's that they start to become desensitized to the situation. They need something to kind of switch gears to get that motivation back. But, you know, a tech or a BCBA will be like, well, they don't, they don't have the skill. And then I'll go up and I'll go do it right after this something fun. And they do have it. So it wasn't a skill deficit. It was the, the necessary context and conditions to present the skill. And so when people start to see that, to be like, oh, this thing that I thought was a totally skill deficit wasn't. It was just that they were bored. It was just that they had been sitting here for too long. It was that they needed to get out and run for a little bit. Um, and now they have it, or they're showing it in these activities where I couldn't derive it under discrete trial situations, but they're doing it on their own on the swing. And I'm like, then why the heck do we need it in a discrete trial situation? We don't need it there. You know, we need it on the swing. Um, and so I, I truly try to change the tone and, and to have people focus on those engaging activities as a central part of their session and then the targets being a product of how we structure those activities, how we engage during those activities, because that is really the truth, is we'll see these skills that were nowhere to be found until we started doing Play-Doh for five minutes before. Now all of a sudden they're here. You know, and so once people start to see that, they're like, okay, I don't need to change my prompt or my prompt fading or my reinforcer. I need to change the activities and the engagement in my session. And that's where performance really skyrockets is when you get that engagement, not prompting and token systems, you know? I actually, like over 20 years ago, my first ever client I worked with um, when I was in college, um, she learned her first word on the swing. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we've done a lot of, um, we try and incorporate a lot of play in our sessions. Um, and I definitely know that we have like some, 
some therapists that like some RBTs that struggle with the, the playtime and the structure of it. Um, and on a whim, occasionally we'll put together like we do electronic data too, um, similar to you, Derek. Um, you know, we've put together like a play, you can create like a playlist of skills and things to work on. And we'll have like a playlist of play based type of activities if they're really struggling with on the moment kind of things. I don't necessarily care they take data on it if, if they don't want to. I don't need it necessarily. But like just giving them something that they can, you know, work on if they're struggling for ideas in the moment. Um, or have a bag of, you know, like like um, Jennifer mentioned, having like switching out the toys and stuff. We'll rotate toys and rotate things that we bring and, you know, um, swap things and with different therapists. And, you know, maybe one therapist, technician A is having better sessions than technician B, but she's got this really cool toy that she gets to use during her session. And then we might have to get the other therapist something similar or, or you know, play around with some different things that are similar that might bring, you know, joy to that, that child as well. So just kind of switching it up. But, but yeah, I definitely have some therapists that are more um, rigid type personalities and struggle with like, being on the the moment kind of thinkers and so we might have like a list of ideas that they can go through or like i said the playlist or just um you know provide them with feedback and role play and show them different things that work for other people on the team um just to try and help them you know do a little bit of um playing around with it try and figure out how to make their sessions be more productive and utilize the time a little bit better i think one thing that i i have been playing around with um and Robin, I think I may have heard that you guys um, do some theme stuff sometimes in the clinic. And I would really like to incorporate that a little bit more on on like our time um, time clock app. I had originally put some events down just as like themes. Um, but after, you know, speaking with, um, you know, some people, it was like, okay, well, how is this going to work? Because, you know, is it going to all be on me? Is this another task for me? Or do I need to actually, you know, have somebody who's like the fun coordinator? <laughs> because I, you know, I really, it's like one more thing on, on my plate, but I want to be able to incorporate some of those things. Um, I think that there's been times I do have a specific, um, it's just paid at minimum wage um, timestamp that's called teamwork. And they are able to use that when they are driving to and from the um, storage unit. And then if you know they're in the storage unit and they're switching out the materials that they have for some of their clients, I do offer that. It has been interesting that very few take me up on it very few and so I have also like okay do I need to do I need to incorporate an incentive to say like hey you know Joe has been at the storage unit twice this you know this month um switching out toys and like you know the data is definitely showing that you know things are being kept fresh at session and so yeah he's you know making a lot more progress than you know we would have anticipated um I don't know I guess have any of you guys also like put in incentives or or how I mean I hate mandatory fund like I don't want to do mandatory well fund, we right? our storage unit was like actually in our office yeah. and so it was just part of the routine when you came in for your in-person supervision or, you know, to switch to switch out data sheets to file because we, we had kind of a hybrid um, electronic and paper pencil. But um, but it, it, it was mandatory, but it wasn't mandatory in a sense of like you must go to the storage unit and pick it up. But like, so it was just part of the flow of supervision and they were allowed time within that schedule that they were paid for to be there for supervision and training to like go and check out um 
you know, the toys in the toy closet. We call it a closet. It was a huge room. But mm-hmm. um, and then also we would like maybe schedule a more seasoned tech or someone who is more skilled in in play to be there at the same time. Because we also found one of the skill like skill deficits we found people didn't know what to get. Yeah. So it was like they walk in this huge storage built with all this, like all these things. And they're like. Um, I know I need something different, but I don't really know what. Um, and so then we also started to try to organize the stuff by learner types, by skills. We would put like cheat cards on stuff to say, okay, you can use this toy to do X, Y, Z. Um, we did a lot of this during COVID when we were trying to keep our staff employed, but we weren't able to work with clients. We like just, I pulled up from my wish list of projects and we did a lot of this and it was very helpful and we did get a lot of feedback and more participation in switching out toys and, and stuff when people, when it didn't feel so overwhelming and, and they, we gave them, a, um, you know, some training on how to switch out the toys and what to do when you're there. Um, Mallory, to your point on theme, I'm a big thematic learner. I think thematic learning is really important because you can teach kids a lot of things through um, natural and just natural, their natural environment, you know, net. So some of the things that we've done is we've, so for example, if you're, you know, you're working in, and it's October, I think the holidays are the best time to do it because it's so easy to pull and you can go to the Dollar Tree. I mean, I could spend more money at the Dollar Tree than I do Amazon just because they've always got great things and you're like, it's a dollar. This is awesome. And, you know, you justify it, you know, thousands of dollars later, but it's just a dollar. Um, but that's a great place to pull thematic learning type things. Um, so for stimuli, if they're tacting, you know, in October, you can pull all sorts of Halloween type things or, you know, September's fall and football, you know, whatever. But, um, what we've done is like if we have um, admin time, so if we have a child who's maybe receiving um, like OT or something and the staff member has downtime, we kind of like, April, I have a wish list too. And so that's what we try to do is take that wish list and use that time so that the staff are still getting paid and, and getting in their hours, but we're getting something out of it as well. And that has seemed to really help us with organization another thing is any of our leads um who 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 are actual leads on a specific program we'll put them in charge of things like that because they know what would be fun and something to help change out and they they've been talking to the team and their supervisors so that's just some ideas that we've incorporated um you have to really watch that only on the other side of it because on the non-billable side that can get kind of costly if you're not making sure that you're keeping track of how much um, non-billable is, is being performed but it does take a lot of stress off you and will help you know just in general and I think keep things from getting so stagnant sometimes because um, you know, if the therapist is bored, the kids, if the kids are bored, the therapist is bored. If the therapist is bored, the kids are bored, and no learning is going on. No teaching and no learning is going on. And creativity drops, and then your burnout hits, and, you know, it's just a, it's just a, not a fun cycle. Wanted to partner with Erica's billing services, maximize their reimbursements while increasing overall profitability. Our team of experts is experienced in all areas of ABA billing and can help your office whether you're an existing practice or a new startup. We bill claims to the insurance company for services of ABA, speech therapy, and occupational therapy. We submit authorization for initial assessments, ongoing treatment, and routine visits. 
We like to help ease this burden on providers by offering benefit checks. We call to follow up on claims that are not paid, denied, or stuck in processing after 30 days to make sure these claims are worked until they are paid. We provide account receivable reports to help show providers exactly where their financials and claims stand each month. Find out more at ericasbillingservices.com. That's one of the things that I'll, when I supervise, um, I, or, you know, when I talk to RBTs um, about their sessions and stuff, um, you can kind of pick up if someone's like not enjoying it. You know, um, like they'll talk to me about something like, hey, you know, he's doing this and this and this. And I'm kind of listening like, yeah, that's fine. You know, and then uh, they're like, well, I tried this, I tried this. And you kind of hit, hear the desperation, you know, or the frustration, whatever that they're feeling. Um, and then I, I go, they're like, so they always want me to come up with some incredibly elaborate plan. And I've, I've found that like, when people are really stuck and they're having a hard time with something, they always want this huge magical solution because that that's that will justify their feelings for not having it, if that makes sense. They'll be really frustrated and they go, I need some magical solution that only, you know, Derek or someone else could tell me um, to because that would justify me feeling this way. Uh, but I always tell them to scrap it and I say, what do you what do you enjoy doing with the kid? And if they say, what do you mean? Or I don't know. Then I'm like, oh boy, like we're in trouble. Uh, if you don't know what you enjoy doing with this kid. And I hate to say, but half the time they're like, well, you know, I'm like, oh no, you know, it's too late. Um, so I go, forget the trials, forget the data, forget targets, all that. You got to have something where you think this is fun, you know, where you're, you're enjoying your time with them. Um, and like, let's say that in January and February, they were, you know, they talked to me about sessions. They're like, oh my God, he did this. It was hilarious. And he loves this new thing. That's the kind of stuff I want to hear. Right. I don't want to hear, well, his tacting isn't doing that great. You know, I'm like, all right, you know, I want to hear that you think something is really exciting to do with this kid. And sometimes those relationships, you know, they kind of start nudging in a direction where they're not having fun. Um, and so oftentimes they get a little bit of tunnel vision where they're looking at their trials, their targets, their data. And while that's important, it's not the priority. Uh, and the priority is enjoying that time because of what Jennifer was saying. If, if they're not enjoying it, we're not going to get anywhere. Like period. Um, if, the, if the therapist, the adult isn't having a good time, the kid's definitely not having a good time. And if they're not having a good time, they're not going to retain or learn anything. Um, they're just going to be looking for how do we get out of here, you know? So I always have them switch gears. That's my first uh, solution is throw everything away and let's just have fun. We'll get some snacks, find some videos that they like. Like, let's just chill and do some funny stuff. Like, kids are hilarious. Kids are super fun. Um, and that pulls us closer, you know? And then my, my people are, are funny and they're amazing. But we just have to get that connection back. So it's always in my back pocket to be like, throw everything away. Let's just, let's just chill, you know, and have fun. That's my first recommendation always. Not some crazy token system. Not some crazy differential reinforcement procedure. Just get some gummies. Let's get some, you know, some Paw Patrol going here. Let's get some weird lights in the room and just have fun. Absolutely. 
Well, we're coming along to our like 10 minute mark, so to speak. So I don't know. I'm just thought maybe I think I feel like it worked well last uh, time when I kind of gave everybody a couple of minutes at the end, just kind of say their last thing. Um, so if anyone has anything else to say that we didn't get to cover today and you, you know, want that opportunity, um, here we go. Well, sometimes um, I've noticed when we have a therapist that starts complaining about a kid's problem behavior or um, like new, new, new things that are changing and the sessions are getting really hard and the kid's not no longer running to them and they're not having fun and then the, the mood of the, the tech is, you know, not as bright and bubbly. Um, I'll, I'll do similar to Derek. I guess I word it differently. I, I make it more about let's just go back to pairing. We'll go back to play and pairing stage. And, um, you know, I was, and I'll tell the BCDA, I was like, I don't care if we do it for a few days or if we need to do it for a few weeks, you know, um, we can take some data related to instructional control and pairing and create like little something that we can have for insurance documentation purposes. But um, basically scale back on all the demands and, and try and focus more on relationship building and making the session fun and figuring out, you know, what the kid likes and, and maybe and during that time window, you can figure out what wasn't working that you were doing um, during the sessions that was maybe a little too boring or lacking, um, you know, energy or lacking variety of, you know, things you're working on and not including breaks and play as much and just being a little too much of a drill sergeant. So um, even some of my most experienced techs that it happened recently with a guy and he, you know, he'd been with us for a long time, years, and he's even a BCBA trainee um, student. And he, you know, he's a great therapist, but he was having like struggles with this one kiddo that he worked with before that he joined the team again and the kid just didn't like him anymore is how he felt. And um, so I was like, well, just let's just go back and go back to the beginning and, and figure out how you can, you know, repair this relationship on both ends. And so you're happy and so he's happy. And you know, and it, and it worked. So that's been a positive change. Like the behaviors, you know, all the behaviors of concern decreased back down. And and he got to the point where like the kid was happy to see him rather than seeing him as like, you know, someone that's just going to make him do a bunch of work and wanting to run away and ready for the session to be over all of a sudden. So, um, you know, I think finding ways to, you know, if, if need be, be unstructured or be structured, but find ways to make sure you're building the relationship along the way and having fun in the process. I think it's important to remember relationships take work, period, end of story. Whether you're a technician with a child, you're still working on a relationship. And I think it's important that, especially for kids, because they are always looking as a, to us as adults for their reaction and how they should interact, that if you're seeing that if you're feeling bored, we always encourage our staff to go, well, how do you think the kids are feeling? And what do you think we need to do and try to come together as a team together with them, kind of talking them through it so that it's also something that they're internalizing and saying, if this is boring to me, this has to, you know, this behavior is a result of this. And it, you can't, you have to understand that you are constantly working on a relationship with each one of your kids. Um, it's not just, you're not just going to get it for free. And so that means you're, you're going to have to engage. You're going to have to consistently grow with the child or your client and say, well, this worked today, but it's not working now, or this worked yesterday, but it's not working now. So what's different? But, and then also looking at it from that human humanistic approach of, well, I get kind of tired of pizza every day too. You know what I mean? So like, if you're looking at it from that perspective and go, 
well, they like this today. Why do they not like that? Well, they're a kid. They're allowed to change their mind. You know, we're all, we're allowed to change our mind. And so what does that mean? That means, oh, I need to do something. I need, they're looking for me to guide them. So what does that look like? Let's go outside. Let's go do bubbles. Let's take Play-Doh and be super silly with it. You know, let's, like you said, let's throw away the task list for a while and the targets and let's just go play and reconnect and, and kind of get back on, back on the same ground together and just go oh yeah I remember why you're fun I remember why it's why I want to be with you because a lot of times it is maybe you're just being too you're, you're being too drill sergeant or task target and you know you're just being looking at that too much and not about the relationship so we actually we have a question sorry to interrupt your last words everyone but we have a question um from one of our listeners um they say that digital library of available toys and its purpose takes a lot to put together, but gives ways to organize and access to techs and parents to seek out available toys. My next step uh, is to also add video models on how it can be played with. So it's easily accessible through the phone or a device. Some techs just need help learning how to play. Have any of you tried uh, to just do play sessions for staff as a team building? Yes, we have. And we've done that in our training. And also a lot of times when we have techs who are first coming in, when they're observing, we also have them start pairing and playing with the child so that they're building that relationship with the child from a play perspective in the beginning. I've done it in the beginning, but I haven't done it like long term or as like a team building thing later down the road like Jennifer has. But I, I do really like that idea a lot. I think it's got a lot of value. Definitely something to consider. I feel like this is an area, even the, the databases of toys and activities, I've, I have like 50 files that are drafts on, you know, my Google Drive of things I've started. And then I'm like, who's uh, interest, you know? So I love the idea of the commenter. I think that it is pretty, um, pretty extensive work. At least it has been when I've attempted it. I might be going about it in, in the wrong way. Um, but I really love that idea. Uh, it's, it's just one of those things that will take a pretty significant amount of time. Um, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. You know, um, I think that it's a super good, and the, the playlist idea I think is a, is an awesome idea. Um, I've never thought about that at all. Uh, but I mean, in terms of my like last words, uh, on this topic, all I can really say is that engagement and their happiness is always the first priority. Nothing else matters. Instructional control doesn't matter. Manding, you know, none of these things really matter unless you have that engagement. I think that it's very easy to forget that because we do get that tunnel vision of this is what I'm doing in this session. These are my targets. And they're not really attend attending to the kids' engagement and their happiness. And when you make that as your first priority, some of these things start to fall into place naturally. Um, to where you are, creativity kind of pulls out from you um, to be like quickly noticing that they're losing interest or they're losing engagement. Um, and so that can really help drive your session. But for me, that's always the first priority is their engagement. As soon as we lose that, I, I, I don't care about any target or trial. Nothing matters at that point. Um, and so I'm always pulling them back in uh, to try to get that engagement. I think the one thing that I'm one of the biggest things that I'm going to take away from this conversation too is just that it's a constant um, reminder that myself as you know the BCA I need to be giving my text um, permission consistently bringing it up to tell them like it's okay to have fun with them it's okay you know to yes scrap the data it's it's that's okay and then it's 
also just as important to make sure that the kiddo almost even has permission to have fun too because I, I may have mentioned it before but I had one kiddo who had had extensive services I mean almost her whole life and she was going to probably not necessarily ABA but have you know services for probably the remainder of her life um and one day it was pouring I mean like pouring down rain so bad um and luckily the movie theater was right next door to where we were at and we were like, what, you know, what else are we going to do? You know, we can't do really do out the outside. We could do some of the, you know, table work. Okay. But like for two and a half hours, three and a half hours, it's not really that fun. We did community things. We went over to the movie, but it was somewhat heart wrenching because when I said, Hey, do you want to go to the movies? She said, work first, then movie. And I said, no, <laughs> we're not doing work. Like we are, we're not doing work. And so it was so great to be able to give her the per permission in that moment that no, sweetheart, like you don't have to do work just to be able to have fun. Right. Um, and I think just our society in general is always this, you know, work hard to play hard, work first <laughs> before you can play. And I, yeah, I want to transition away from that. I want to continue to remind myself and my techs and our clients that, um, yeah, fun. Just like Derek said, it, it's priority. It's the priority. Absolutely. Well, guys, thank you so much. As always, it's been wonderful to have you guys all together and hear your ideas. And yeah, so thank you so much for attending today. And we look forward to our next panel discussion next month. So um, take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Hopefully it was helpful. If you would like to gain access to this entire video and actually our entire library of videos, please join our ABA Business Leaders membership. You can find that at www.3piesquare.com.